Welcome to another very special episode of Vanilla Weiss and the Nostalgic Nerds. And this time we have a new very special guest joining us. He is one of the biggest staples on the entire South Florida comedy scene. Let's give it up for the South Florida legend, my man, Ramon Garcia. Oh, what's up? Thank you, Dan. <laughs> Love that. We didn't rehearse that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ramon, you primarily grew up in the 80s, right? The 80s and 90s? Yeah, yeah. I was an 80s, 90s baby. Who were some of your heroes growing up? Um, I remember messing up my uh, Michael Jackson tape because I was listening to it back and forth like all the time. Beat it. It's just all just back and forth. So Michael Jackson, obviously, uh, biggest stars of that era. Um, and a lot of just, you know, more and more of the pop stuff. There wasn't really anybody uh, uh, in specific that, that I would have, but that, that was one that would stick out. Before um, you got into comedy, were there any other entertainment dreams you had? Like, um, I myself at one point wanted to be a Hollywood director, and before that, an actor. Did you have any other dreams like that? I was thinking about that the other day. This is actually one of the topics that I use in my class that I help that helps comedians kind of develop material, and I was using it myself to kind of get my own material. And I, 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 I remember is that I always just wanted a job where I could bring a briefcase. Like I always wanted to have like a briefcase, you know, like a, like a lawyer. It didn't matter, accountant. It didn't matter what it was. I just wanted to have a fucking briefcase, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, have my papers all organized. Just maybe, you know, not even the suit was was necessary it was just the briefcase alone where i just thought it was so fucking cool that the guy was bringing a fucking briefcase so you wanted like an office job originally yeah that didn't matter it just it, it i don't know for some reason that was like one of the things that stuck out and then i could just remember as a kid i would just emulate people on tv you know like karate kid i bought a karate suit or star wars i was trying to pretending to be like luke skywalker and i would play <laughs> out the scenes my father noticed it one time and he was like wow like you know you were you actually, you know, put in a, a routine. You could see like he he saw the scene that I had made or I had, you know, rehearsed. Um, so at least I didn't know what it was. I just knew it. I, I liked it. I liked, I guess, uh, impersonating. You know, you seeing something cool and then trying to do it. Which comic when you were growing up um, was the one who most made you want to get into comedy? Um, I wouldn't even say I wanted to get, I mean, it just made me laugh because I didn't, I didn't want to know when to get into comedy until later, later. This wasn't even like a childhood thing. This was like later on, almost like, like, you know, adult life, like 18, 19 when I was thinking about it. But as a kid, a comedian, I remember like Sinbad being just hilarious. Like, I could go on anything and just like, and I, now that I've been able to actually open up for him, like it's like such so surreal like holy crap like i used to laugh as a kid with this guy and now all of a sudden i'm introducing him like this is crazy yes <laughs> sinbad's amazing mm -hmm. i've seen him a couple times um he's the one i grew up with mm -hmm. always really liked mm -hmm. 
And um, yeah, for me, I would say the first comic who really made me truly laugh. I know he's a bad example to use, but Bill Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know, like all these have like asterisks to it, like hey, like pre, like anything illegal or <laughs> harmful, like just the professional, like just just put the body of work. If we could just separate that somehow and have a conversation and not be judged by it, you know, that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> And what's funny is his voice alone makes me laugh. And so whenever I would hear him speak on the trial cases, I almost wanted to laugh all because it was his voice. Yeah, yeah you forget sometimes. You're like, <laughs> oh, man, like he objects. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was waiting for him to make a face and stuff during his testimonies. I know, right? What were some of your favorite shows growing up? Uh, now that, you know, we're in this tip, I think one that just comes up was Charles in Charge. Uh, I, I used to watch Nick at Night a lot, like a lot of the old stuff, like the, you know. The, like Dobie Gillis, um, Mr. Ed and all them. Mr. Ed, Dennis the Menace. I remember Dennis the Menace. Like, I, that was where I was like, I, I couldn't understand it, where it was like, oh, you know, like first, like, you know, the wife and husband weren't sleeping in the same bed. Like, what the fuck <laughs> is that about? You know? <laughs> you know? And then they would, like, come over and, like, borrow a cup of sugar. Like, I'm not, my dad would never let a fucking neighbor come over. Like, the fuck are you trying to fuck my wife? Get out of here. You know? <laughs> you know? So it was such a, like, another world where it was like, wow, is my family that fucked up? That, you know, like, none of this stuff is relatable at all. But it was, you know, fu funny and entertaining. Are you originally from South Florida? Yeah, born in West Palm, um, born and raised, yeah, uh, St. Mary's Hospital. Um, and you said at about 18 is when you first wanted to get into comedy? Yeah, well, um, I'd say, I mean, once I made the decision, I was actually in the military already, like, but I don't think I had any aspirations at, at any point. Like, I know I could use it i think like in high school i know i could be entertaining and a couple things and just to personal friends but it wasn't until just getting out of high school going into the military where i started to to to, to think you know maybe this is something and then my roommate honestly he's he's the one that really tipped the scale because he was just doing some <clears throat> he was doing some music in his room and um Kind of like we have the music kicking in now. <laughs> you know, hear any Miley Cyrus in the background? We pause. We're live at the Palm Beach Improv um, for the show. But you know, I um, he started doing all these tracks, and I would hear all these noises coming out of the room, like I'm like what is he doing in there? So then I knocked on the door, and he's like, "Hey, what, what's up?" Like, like, "Oh, I'm making a track." And I'm like, "A track." It sounds like you're making noise. I just hear it like that. He's like, "Yeah, but I'm doing one at a time." So then he put them all together. Oh, the symphony came through. Like I could hear the whole, you know, track all together. And I was like, "Wow, you did this yourself?" He's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "You just do it." Like he's like, "Yeah, you just do it." And I'm like, "Oh, damn!" And then he kind of like he's like, "What do you want to do?" And I was like, "I really thought about stand up." You know, the first person I ever told me. And he's like, and "I was like, just do it." And I was like, "Just do it." He like he just kind of blew that bubble up that, you know, some people have where it's just like, "Oh, I don't know if I could do this or not." You know, I, I don't have any training. I don't know whatever. And they're just like, "Yeah, just do it. Grab some paper and write that. Write some of the funny things down and go go tell some jokes." The first time you ever got on stage, were you nervous on the mic? Oh yeah, I mean, I took speak. I took uh, public speaking classes in military just so that I could prepare for it, and those were horrible. Like so, that's why I kind of I 
once I was in there, I kind of knew I wanted to do this. So I started to prepare myself little by little with the little bit that I could. I didn't hit any open mics yet because um, I felt like if I was in the military and I said something, I could get in trouble because I, I just knew some guys saying some shit and, and getting in trouble. And I just when you get in trouble in the military, you get double trouble. It's like you get trouble in the, by them and then you get trouble in the civilian world. And I was like, you know, what? I don't want to. I was so like scared. And then. Years later, I found out that Gary Owen was in the military and he just started his hand up. And I was like, not that he's raunchy, but I was like, damn, I could have started when I was in. But, you know, I, I, I made the decision and then I, I said, I'll, I'll wait until I got out. And um, I, I but I took, like I said, public speaking and other classes and put myself in, in that position without having to say, hey, I'm going to do stand up so that I could at least get the fear out of, out of me. So then when I did get on there, at least I had some kind of a feeling of it. And I think it did help a lot. Um, but once it, yeah, I, my first time actually on stage in front of a comedy audience, I was uh, three uh, double run, rum and cokes in. So I was like, yeah, I was about you know, six drinks total, I think, you know, with everything all together. Um, so I, but I had rehearsed for three months. So I was in, you know, how like we just get into autopilot mode and it's just like the act takes over. I, that's what happened. I didn't even... You know rehearse it to, i mean i rehearsed it but i was like i didn't know how it was going to come out and you know you just goes into autopilot with whatever you've trained with and i actually got really good fucking results i remember hansen sinclair was one of the first comics that came up to me he's a really good guy yeah and he got my number he's like dude you're, hell, you're hilarious i was actually more physical back then and he's like dude you're hilarious you're like a like a you know, like a Jim Carrey type of character, you know, all physical, but I mean, I was like, I'm also pissed drunk. So it's like flare, <laughs> flaring everywhere. Um, but it was really cool. And um, yeah, that was at the Miami Improv. I remember it was a, a big, big night for me. I had actually went to Dada's two nights, well, actually at night before, two nights before. Um, so that was kind of like, but it was like two people there. So it was like, was that, that was the old Miami Improv, right? The one that used to be in Coconut Grove. Yeah, the Grove. Yeah, I remember going there. Yeah, Gary Owen, he's one I remember seeing back in like 09 before his career blew up the way it did. Yeah. Yeah, a bunch of those guys who are now A listers like him, I remember meeting them back in like 09, 2010 before their careers blew up. Like um, Tom Segura, I met him when he was still like a C-lister. Mm -hmm. Just opening up for other guys, and yeah, you know that's how you get you get in. You know, you do your time, and then eventually, you you, you know everything starts to click for you on stage. And then once that clicks, then you know the audience finds you, and you know you're off and running. And it also helps that um now comedies like bigger and better than ever. Now with Netflix, with Hulu, with Prime and all that. Um, yeah. Back in our day, if you wanted to watch uncensored comedy, you pretty much needed HBO or Showtime. Yeah. Yeah. Or a buddy with a good VHS. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, that guy with the three VCRs, you got the other ones, you're like, oh, man, you got some good videos for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's where I saw Bill Cosby himself was on VHS. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of my stuff was VHS. I just remember always that 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 that, that kind of that look, you know, it wasn't like film projector bad, but it had that kind of that little bit that, you know, in some spots. Yeah, Chris Rock, I would have to say, was the one that really made me want to get into comedy. Mm. He was 
the one who truly inspired me the most at a young age. Mm. I was about your age when I um first got interested in comedy. I was about 18, 19, and he he was the first one I ever saw alive. Mm. Are you a Chris Rock fan? Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> and a Tony Rock fan. I've actually got to open for him, and I, I got to see Chris Rock live. Uh, here at Palm Beach when he was actually working on a, a, a set, just really working out material. Brought a yellow pad and pen's pen and actually had a staff of writers with him. And like, I guess he was working on a, a special, <clears throat> but really like raw. Like it was, they sold it, but they thought everybody know, like he's working out stuff and it's not the, the show. It's not the set, you know what I mean? Where he's walking side to side and the cadence and bang, bang, there's going to be some rough spots because he's working stuff out, you know what I mean? And uh, it was really great to watch that as at that young age in my comedy career because it was like, oh, like, you don't always have, you can't always be on. Like, everybody has to kind of go through that 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 shit to get to, yeah, the, to the other side. To you test know? and see what does work and what doesn't work. Exactly. And it just kind of blew up the whole thing of like, oh, I can't bomb at the improv. Like, okay, there's a headliner on a headlining spot getting you know fifty dollar tickets like each you know these people aren't paying like you know ten dollar tickets these are expensive tickets you know and it's a nice and he's just trying out stuff you know what i mean i was like wow i bet that show sold out like hotcakes when it was here oh yeah yeah it, it we didn't even post it like that was like i think it was you know just after it was definitely after the um was it thing was bring the pain where it was just like everybody you know hottest you know guy yeah. out there and um that special was such a groundbreaking one to bring the pain um i love it. some of the things he used in it some of the segments a lot of people would complain about nowadays oh, i yeah. think like the one where he did the distinguishing between people of his race yeah, right off the bat, too. Like, I actually, now that we bring that set up, I actually remember I I wrote out every single word of that set because I wanted to, you know, there was no transcripts at that point. There's no, like, Google, like, okay, let me get the, the the script from this, this whatever. Now you can just look up anything and you can see the whole script. So I literally wrote out this whole set. I rewinded it. I mean, it must have taken me hours to do it, but I got it all done. I did this to like two of Dave Chappelle's sets and I did it to uh, bring the pain because I just wanted to see what it felt to write such a, like you said, such a profound set. You know, it wasn't mine. But I just wanted to see like what, how, how we put it together. What were the words? What were the, what, you know, how was it put together and on, on, on paper? And I looked and I still look back on it. I'm like, wow. Okay. Like, <clears throat> you know it it doesn't translate to the paper as much you know it's it's like it's got to be a part of him too and his 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 cadence and his voice and his afflictions and you know all that stuff that that you know you can't put on paper and ever since hearing that segment of his the one where he, he distinguishes the difference of people in his race so uh, one called black people versus the n-word mm -hmm. and it's made me look at literally every race in that same way mm -hmm. as like two different sets of people. <laughs> um, 
including being Jewish, there's Jews like me, and then there's the cheap, stingy ones that people <laughs> talk about. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's uh, across the board, you know, such a such a simple idea of, a, you know, when you look at you're like, damn, like everybody has that. Wow. You know, he just picks up on stuff like that. That's that's the brilliance of him being able to pick up on something like that and, and display it. Like yeah. if you put a Jewish person like that next to me, I would be like, this is a Jew. That's a cheap Jew. There's a difference. Oish. <laughs> 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 do you get like, like, is there like, do they like hassle you like at the, you know, when they get togethers and stuff of that, you know, like, hey, you could be wearing our yarmulke or, or is that, you know, like. Um, yeah, and there's been times when I've been generous, I've brought like beer or something and they'll be like, you can't have bought this yourself, you're Jewish. Oh. <laughs> um. Because I think in, in, especially in my race too, like I know that it's like, oh, what kind of Spanish are you? And I have like, my mom's from, her, her parents are from Mexico. And my, my dad's parent, you know, he's, he's from Puerto Rico. So it was like that right there, you know, those, those cultures, it, you know, they have their such strong identities and to be like in the middle of it, it's just like, fuck, like <laughs> I was so confused. Um, but then I saw like what you're saying, like in the both sides of like people that of your, every, every race, you're just like, oh my God. Yeah, and um, down here in South Florida, particularly, like every Spanish person is their own separate race. Yeah. <laughs> don't mix it up. Don't even guess. Don't just generalize. If anything, don't don't be specific. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like that um South Park episode with the Asian turf war between the Chinese and the Japanese guy. Uh... Or, here um you can't just call somebody spanish you mm -hmm. got to call them like venezuelan dominican yeah <laughs> puerto rican yeah <laughs> they get it right is it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um when you first got into comedy how long would you say it took you to really get comfortable on the mic over a decade you know i was living in fear i mean it's still like there but now i think i have more confidence in my ability to come up with stuff when i want to you know like i know how to now i believe more in my abilities of writing and spotting something that's that's good and knowing how to get the comedy out of it um but it, it just takes time man. it just takes time uh, different layer. everybody's different like depending on where what your skill level is and what your confidence level is like every i think everybody's different you know but for me it was definitely a shy kid so this wasn't like something that i would have put on my high school you know gonna do after high school thing like the last thing would have, it would have been the last thing you know when you were growing up as a kid were you did you used to be a joke cracker like in class and stuff no no like i would do maybe i could do like some funny like sound effects or like a face or something like that kind of like a like I remember, like I did like Michael Winslow from Police Academy, so that, he's that's great. Yeah, he's coming to Vocal Black Box soon. Um, I'll hope to to meet up with him and just thank him for because he was the first guy to 
to when I said I was still in the military, I saw him and he was the first guy to encourage me because he goes, he's like, oh, you can do this. And he started doing all these tank sounds like, oh, you're in the Navy. You go, go, all this stuff. He started doing all these sound effects at the bar and he was so gracious. And he goes, you know, I was like, I dare you to do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I want to like meet up with him and just thank him. And, hey, man, like you dared me. I did it. You know, and here I am, you know, to share everything I've done and my style and which, you know, he definitely uh, inspired as well. And he might have been the most memorable character out of all the Police Academy mm -hmm. movies. Like a lot of times, even the ones who others know, like Bobcat Goldthwait, they forget that he was in those movies. Yeah. But Michael Winslow, he's like the first one who comes to mind when people think of those movies. Yeah, yeah, he was definitely an anchor in 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 that in those because it was so entertaining and so different from everything else. You know, it was just he was so good at it. You know, you're just like, how is he doing that? Like, for sure, they're using something. Like, no, that's really him. He's actually doing those sounds. You know, you're just like blown away at like how could he do that? And then you started like toying around with it yourself, and then. Then you start doing your own thing. You have your own catalog. Like I don't, I don't have his catalog where he had. I think he says he has over ten thousand. I was, I don't have time to <laughs> sit there and count all the ones. And I would go like, then there's gonna be subcategories. I'm like, no, nah, I'm just gonna. I got like a good top five, good ten maybe that I use, and I just kind of I use them in specific spots where it kind of just brings up the act a little bit. But it's it's not like his where his is like that. That's a lot of the act is that that's this. You know, this for me, it's more like a dressing on top of the story. Yeah. Were you a big fan of those movies growing up? Oh, yeah. All of those. All those movies. Um, I mean, all this 80s, 90s stuff like that. All that stuff coming up was was uh, favorite. Um, like I think we talked about to the um, what you can't tell on television. Oh, like yeah, that 80s Nickelodeon show. You can't do that on television. Yeah, yeah, like stuff like that. All those types of shows. Like, that was just that. I know it molded my sense of humor because they were so funny. For like, you know, I know some of the stuff my mom probably wouldn't want to do me to be like whatever but it was just like you said couldn't do that stuff on television oh yeah <laughs> that show truly lived up to its name especially for a kid show it was so dark on pc yeah yeah some of those scenes it was just like wow like, what did i just watch <laughs> yeah like that restaurant skit where everyone kept on getting food poisoning oh, in the restaurant yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Or the firing squad that involved the guy trying to shoot little kids. <laughs> I got to go back and see that catalog and just laugh at that. Because, like, wow, like, whatever. Would I let my son watch this? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And they had a different topic for each episode. I remember one episode, the topic was divorce. <laughs> Kept it nice and close to home, you know? <laughs> hey, kids, welcome home. Back to after school. Talking about your mommy and daddy split no. Yeah. <laughs> Another episode, smoking was the topic. Mm. But yeah, we actually on a previous episode had Abby Haggard, the one who played the mother, the librarian, and all the other mm. adult female roles. Nice. Nice. That's cool to see, like, you kind of like work with your heroes a little bit you know <laughs> yeah and comedy i would say has helped me meet some of my heroes and connect with them 
Um, I never thought that I would meet Marlon Wayne's mm. Rob Schneider. Yeah, that's so freaking cool, huh? Like, yeah. You know, like, I still have, like, my Polly Shore DVDs and Son-in-Law and all that. And then, like, the fact that I have his phone number and I could like, literally call him and be like, hey, bro. You know? <laughs> you know, like, it's just mind-blowing to me, you know? And I never thought that Danny Cooksey from shows like Salute Your Shorts, um, movies like Terminator 2, shows like different strokes that he'd be the one helping me write new jokes every week. I know. That's just, that's how crazy this this industry is. It's like, just, just hang on and like, you're at the table. You know, a lot of guys that are insecure and hate on other guys, like you're at the table, you're doing comedy. Like you're going to be able to work with some of your, like you said, your heroes and great people. And like these things change all the time. Like one day you're opening up barely getting open mic work the next week you're on a writing staff and you're traveling with this whole tour you know like it really happens that fast so just you know just be good that you're at the table you know what i mean whether it's the little kids table or whatever you're at the table exactly you know? <laughs> you're playing you're playing at the improv you're playing at these big clubs like if there's any celebrity you could meet who would it be like right now yeah uh Man, that's a good question. I think like a lot of people would probably be like The Rock or um, somebody like that that you know you you see they just love the movies and stuff. So um, yeah, I don't. <laughs> I think it like in this like for me, I think like eventually like. You know, I have that dream, you know, like one day I'm here talking with you and I'm, I have to, but I always tell people like, you never know, like tomorrow there's always an audition. There's always a spot. There's something in it that, that just wakes me up in the morning. That gets me up. Like, that's like my charge before I even get my coffee. I'm like, Ooh, here we go. You know, like we're, we're in it again, man. Like, you know, I feel, I, especially like new faces. Like I, I feel that, you know, you feel like the jitteriness of all the people, like it's their first time they're here in the com you know, comedy world or they're coming on stage, you know, like that, that lights me up. That reminds me like, Hey, I like, don't, don't let it become like this job. Don't, you know, let it like go into the routine. Like, Oh, let's just get through the night. Like, no, man, this is a fucking, this is a show. Let's put on a show. Yeah. And what's great about new faces is that, um, even though it's an open mic, when you're up there, you feel like you're part of a real legit show and everything because it's a very real audience absolutely that, that's what's you know just that honesty that honest feedback that you get and if you're able to deal with that then you're good you can play you can you can you know, not worry about trying to get a laugh and you can really discover yourself and really find some stuff so that's what you know they say they go on there and lose yourself a little bit you know mm -hmm. have some fun with it but yeah um so where are some of the places we can find you um well obviously here at any of the the south florida improvs um but coming soon my big uh my my big baby that's coming up uh is the uh, comic whisperer show i'm going to be dropping on youtube um want to get a lot of um viewers out there it's going to be pretty much it's the it's the uh, a show about a comedy class and a comedy teacher who takes comedy seriously mm -hmm. so and 
the stories that come because I do the comedy classes on Monday. So I was like, man, I got I got all this content coming through here. And I'm laughing my ass every fucking Monday. I'm cracking up at these stories. And I'm like, man, there's something I feel like there's something getting lost here. Like people could watch this. There's, there's even though it's really rough, like if it's packaged well and done right, you you know, you could really use that 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 humanity because it comes out because you know like when they're first time doing it there's such a spark i tell you it's some of the like the best times i've had are on the day one classes because they're so nervous and they're not in their way yet they're not fucking it up you know like trying to be funny they're just are funny they don't even know why which is great that's like i feel like some of the best time as an artist like don't ask don't fuck it up don't get in the way just keep doing what you're doing and you're doing great you know it's about to go off in okay. a minute and a half. Do okay. you want me to soften that and press re-record? No, no, actually, that would be a great time if you want to rap, if anything. Uh, or if you want to, do, do you need another second to rap? Or um, I can finish that thought. Or Sure. Well, we're back. But, um, so yeah, you were talking about where we can find you next. And we're, yeah. you were talking about um what the class experiences are for you and how it's such a joyful pleasure pleasurable experience right yeah absolutely it's it's going to be on comicwhisperer.com that's the the website and that'll lead you to the youtube and all the other social media that you have um but yeah that's the gist of the show is like it's not about making the next star you know whoever it is you know it's about everyday people feeling better about themselves whether it's a mom that's just getting a, you know out of you know from being fired a veteran that's coming home from a, a hard tour you know uh, out of work lawyer just looking for the next venture in his life it's just there's so many stories that come through here that you know if that if they feel better on the way out then i've won you know i've done my job yeah um where can people sign up for your classes at um i would hit up uh you can go to palmbeachimprov.com and then look where it says comedy class there will be an email it's renee hart is uh is the booker she's the owner part owner here and she can sign you guys up for, for the classes her emails uh on there as well renee at copperblueslab.com and um yeah just let her know you're interested come through on a monday and it's five mondays in a row and it's a great experience. I know you're going to be a lot different than when you walk in there. I think, if anything, you'll just have a, a, another way of processing life and looking at it get a little bit different and be able to look at life and be like, hey, I can make it funny. You know, life's hard, but if you put on a comedy lens, it can actually be really funny. And there's so much contradictions in life that um, it's makes it so great being able to find a thousand different ironies in mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm exactly and that's the play of it like your brain needs things to do and like when that when it finds this this game of comedy of finding things that like you said like aren't congruent or you know that there's patterns there's all these things that are like what's you know you, you notice these things and then like your brain just like you can't get enough of it you know and then the, then the invigoration you get when you display it to the audience and then they see what you saw and it shows and it works and you're like oh and then you do it again it's like ah it just becomes a high yeah yeah and there's no better feeling than when you get up there and you're making the crowd happy and mm-hmm. they leave in a good mood mm-hmm. because of you yeah you know you get those those 
those are those lift you up and more than check you know hey like the money's always great but then when you get those people that come up to you and they're like you know like oh, i've been working really hard and, and you know you've just made me or my husband lighter and now he's a joy to be around and i, I know what that is when you know having a father was very very stern and very serious to see you know laughing at martin because you know he's hilarious and then it, it being easier to be around my dad because he's laughing i know what those people are going through so it's like so cool to be a part of that process and be able to you know give give that give that service to people because it is a service you know whether if people want to believe it or not it's not just dick jokes and beers like you're gonna it's, it's a really you know it is a, a, a community service you know and what's so great also is that comedy, like I was saying earlier, is bigger than ever I'm, and better than ever. I feel like I feel like other art forms have kind of gone downhill in quality, like maybe just because I'm old, but hmm. music, um, the movie industry, I can't really stand either of them anymore, but comedy continues to grow and... I feel like comedy hasn't really slipped or declined in quality. Yeah, I think it's like the, the worse other things get, it actually makes the comedy even better. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the more we shit the bed and everything else, it just makes it easier to make it a punchline. And I haven't really seen a truly bad comic. I feel like just about every single comic you see on TV is decent. Mm-hmm good stuff out there and it's just you know iron sharpening iron out there you know hopefully that this next generation helps each other out you know i know a lot of the older ones would kind of do their own thing and not bring guys up but now i feel like a lot of guys are bringing each other up and using the the team aspect to, to break through because sometimes you need that sometimes it's just hard to break through this industry if you don't have somebody with you to to help you you know get through it's 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 really hard yeah well, ladies and gentlemen, thank Ramon, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been such a pleasure, and you guys know where to find him now. If you guys want to register for the classes, trust me, they're extremely helpful, and they will help you get ahead just like he's gotten ahead. Well, that concludes another very special episode of Vanilla Weiss and the Nostalgic Nerds. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will see we will see you guys next time here at the world famous Palm Beach Improv. Good night.